This week on the OST Party, we're discussing Teen Wolf 2, a movie about a college student who tries out for the boxing team and discovers he's a werewolf. But uh, werewolves can't box. Listen, Libby, there's nothing in the rule book says a werewolf can't put on boxing gloves. Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rocking good time talking about all your favorite movie soundtracks. My name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host this evening. Here with me tonight is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. Libby, once again, I am sorry. <laughs> this was a weird pick. Um, as we said in the intro, we're doing Teen Wolf 2, but I, I have to ask... Why? What made you pick this? Well, a couple of reasons. So historically on the OST party for our Halloween episode, we've either picked something that features Oingo Boingo or is completely terrible. And this year I just decided, why not both? <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm convinced. <laughs> See? Yeah. it's There we go. It, the real answer is because I watched this movie on a whim a couple weeks ago and actually literally just went, Oh my God, Oingo Boingo's in this. I have to talk to Libby about it. <laughs> and now here we are. <laughs> yes. Uh, and actually, I was just on uh, Discord Rhyme talking about Oingo Boingo's Dead Man's Party. So Oingo Boingo, movie soundtrack, songs, it's all coming together. It's Absolutely, yeah. Synchronicity. And I think just by virtue of the fact that we did an entire movie featuring Oingo Boingo, they are the most represented band on this podcast. They probably are. They're what we thought Massive Attack would be. Yeah, exactly, which is weird. It's like it's like Ongo Boingo and then David Bowie. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. Who would have thought? Uh, but before we get into any of that, we have a couple of polls we have to talk about because, hey, guess what? On our last episode, we completely forgot to talk about uh, the poll we did for Dirty Work. Yeah, we were too busy, uh, too busy reminiscing about how bad I was in Driver's Head. Yeah, I know. It's, it happens. <laughs> but, yeah, so going back two episodes, uh, the poll for Dirty Work – we asked you what the best song in that soundtrack was, and with 37% of the vote, it was uh, Third Eye Blind's Semi-Charmed Life. Okay. Which is respectable. Uh, second place uh, with 26% was Good by Better Than Ezra. Yes. And then tied 18.5% Tub Thumping and the Pina Colada song. Ouch. That's pretty harsh on Tub Thumping. Uh, yeah. Like, a lot of a, a lot of Rupert Holmes fans out there that I didn't think we'd had, you know, had in well, our audience. I like to think that it's because it was used so well in the film. That's, you know, that's true. Or maybe we just know some terrible people. That is also true. Mm -hmm. But then moving on from our gross point blank episode, which we had an absolute blast mm -hmm. talking with Mackenzie Cassidy about. It was a pretty even split all like right down the middle. The English Beats Mirror in the Bathroom won that poll with 32%. Fair. Uh, then tied for 24%, Rudy Can't Fail by The Clash and Absolute Beginners from The Jam. And then with 21%, El Matador. Yeah. Uh, the Los Fabulosos Cadillacs. So, you know, everybody loved that one, I think. Yeah, that was a good soundtrack. It had a little something for everyone. And I was happy to see that El Matador got some real love from uh, listeners, uh, Chris Powers and Justina. I think they really, they were very happy about that one. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think our, our friend Chuck Winters really spoke up for that one, too. Mm-hmm. So I actually uh, just saw him. I was down in oh, New really? York. Yep. We had a really nice time. How's he we doing? Got, he's good. We got palm frites and uh, just kind of just kind of vibed. Excellent. It's Excellent. A good time. But now, dear listeners, is is the uh, the unfortunate part of this podcast. We have to talk about Teen Wolf Two now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Teen Wolf Two, a movie where the producers said, "Let's get my son in there. Let's make Teen Wolf, but make it Rocky." Yep. And let's make Back to School, but make it bad. Yep, also true. So there's there's so many bad decisions that went into this, and so many like weird little pieces of fever dreams of other movies yeah. that make up this whole film. Like if you, if you asked me to pick a movie that like heavily ripped off Raging Bull, I never in a million years would have picked Teen Wolf Two. But yeah. here we are. Here we are. Uh, So, surprise, surprise, there's no billboarding school this week because nobody bought this album. Yes, uh, which is kind of funny. And if I'm being honest, there's a couple songs on here I honestly really kind of like. Yeah. Yeah, they surprised me. And they were ones that I wouldn't have expected. Yes, definitely. So. So, I do want to talk a couple of stats real quick just to cover some bases. Mm -hmm. So, the original Teen Wolf starring Michael J. Fox they made it for a million dollars, and it made $80 million. It was a huge hit. It opened um, number two the weekend it opened. Do you know what b- what film was number one at the box office? You know, I didn't look that up. What was it? Back to the Future. Of course. <laughs> Michael of J. Fox had a course. really good weekend. <laughs> he really did. So then, of course, they made a sequel. The sequel, Team Wolf 2, was made on a $3 million budget. It made $8 million. That's that's for, still way too much money for like this movie. A precipitous drop from 80 to 8. But the weekend this came out, it came out uh, November 20th, 1987, placed 6th at the box office behind the, these films. The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger was number 1. Number 2 was the 1987 re-release of Walt Disney's Cinderella. Number 3 was Flowers in the Attic. Number 4 was Fatal Attraction. Number 5 was a film called Nuts. Are you familiar with a film with this film? A film called I, Nuts. I am not, but I'd be willing to bet Oingo Boingo is on the soundtrack. Uh, l- let me read you the plot synopsis and then we'll see. Here's the plot synopsis for Nuts. <clears throat> when call girl Claudia kills her client, Alan, in self-defense, her mother and stepfather attempt to have her declared mentally incompetent in order to avoid a public scandal. Whimsical fun for the whole family. Yes. Call girl Claudia is played by Barbara Streisand. Her client, the client she killed, Alan, played by Leslie Nielsen. I would bet anything that that is on Tubi. It probably is. Wikipedia is quick to point out that this film is Leslie Nielsen's final dramatic role before going all in on naked gun comedies. Probably in his best interest. Probably so. That's just like, that's just a wild, like, I'd never heard of this before. It did better than Teen Wolf 2. Think about that, won't you? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So then, anyway, Teen Wolf 2. Uh, I guess I should do a quick plot synopsis. We're just going to go through sure. the soundtrack here because the movie kind of sort of doesn't matter. No, it really doesn't. It's very It really bad. doesn't. If you've seen Teen Wolf, it's Teen Wolf. I mean, Teen Wolf 2 is spelled T-O-O. It it's is... Teen Wolf again. Yes. Literally. Okay, so the original film is Michael J. Fox. He's a high schooler who becomes a werewolf, and he's really good at basketball as a werewolf. And discovers that, you know, being a werewolf's cool and all, but, you know, sometimes that isn't enough to make you a cool guy. 
in the sequel, his cousin Todd, played by Jason Bateman, goes to college and discovers that werewolfism runs in the family. And not only is he a werewolf, but he is going to compete on the school boxing team as a werewolf. That's the whole movie. Yeah, and also he learns that being a werewolf doesn't make you cool, that sometimes you just have to be a good person. I know, all blah, 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 all that crap. Really? But the one thing that I actually like about this movie is that he goes up against the dean of the school, played by John Astin. Gomez Adams himself Mm -hmm. is in this movie. And, like, if, if we're going to get anything, like, spooky and Halloween-y there, here, sure, let's get yeah. Gomez Adams in this movie. Okay. Yeah, there. We did, we did it. Congratulations. There it is. <laughs> there it is. So, yeah, what we're going to do, we're just going to take you through the songs in on the album because uh, otherwise we'll be here all day. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> riffing on this very bad film. Yes. It's just this tragic nightmare of a film. Todd's uncle's driving him to his uh, fall semester as a freshman at Hamilton College. Which is not far from where I live. It's a real college? It's a real college. It's in wow. Oneida County. Uh, it's a fairly well-known college. It's a, And it's a beautiful campus. Yeah. It's like in your backyard. I had, I had no idea. Yeah. So come on up to visit and I'll take you to where they film Teen Wolf 2. You know, I would love nothing more. <laughs> <laughs> but he has a run-in with the... the it, not even the school bully, a bully from a completely different school and his hot blonde girlfriend named Lisa. And Oh, she had a name? Yeah, her name was Lisa because every every time in I, she showed up in the notes, I wrote Hot Girl Lisa. Oh, okay. I just wrote <laughs> Hot Girl. I never got her name. It's amazing. There was literally a scene where she had her name on a name tag. Totally missed it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> And I, I can't call this a meet cute because this is a very awkward scene, but on her car radio is playing the song uh, Deceiver by the Beat Farmers. Let's go to the Tell me about Deceiver. These guys are only one of two bands who are actually on Curb Records, who produced the soundtrack. Okay. Um, and the thing is, if you look at what Curb Records produced, it was mostly country artists like these guys, uh, including uh, 90s favorites like Billy Ray Cyrus, Leanne Rimes, and Tim McGraw, as well as some gospel music. Uh, so... Then when you look at the rest of the soundtrack, it's sort of like, how did this all come together? That's what really fascinates me about it. Because how did this rinky-dink, you know, country outlet or country imprint, why did they, A, get this soundtrack to produce it and end up with uh, Oingo Boingo both in their A&M years and uh, their later years? Like again, how does this all come together? <laughs> I I know, and and again, it's not like we're just talking about a bunch of random songs in a movie. Like they produced an actual album for this film. Mm-hmm. Like a, a record company put this out, so yes. there had to have been decisions made here. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and the, the only my only guess as to like this song, and there's another one that we'll talk about later, 
is that Lisa has a very thick Southern accent, and I think they just wanted to play up that like this girl is a, is a, a country girl. Yeah, well, and I like this. It's sort of a sleazy country joint, like ZZ Top for college kids. Yeah, it's not bad. So it's it's got a real slick hook to it. Um, you know, I I kind of dig it. Um, this uh this band, the Bee Farmers, also had a song in uh the film Major League. And speaking of terrible garbage that made no money and that everybody hated, also had a song in the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Huh. Mm-hmm. Is that a soundtrack we should talk about sometime? Absolutely not. Folks, that means we're doing it next Halloween. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll burn this podcast to the ground before I watch the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Okay. Yes. Whatever you say. <laughs> Sadly, um, their lead singer... Uh, country Dick Montana died on stage in 1995 Ooh. during uh, three songs into a set at the Longhorn Saloon in British Columbia. And they were contemporaries with like Mojo Nixon and sort of other alternative out- outlaw country artists who were kind of funny. See, I got kind of a blasters vibe from from these guys, which might be why I, I liked this song a lot. Yeah, I could hear that. I could totally hear that. So I... Um, the, the the band that I immediately thought of when I heard this was the Georgia Satellites. Okay. It's, it's got that kind of Southern rock kind of vibe to it. Yeah, I would think that maybe a little on on the other track, but I, I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. Because we do get two country tracks on here for inexplicable reasons. Were we really into country in 1987? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> Again, there's a character in this movie that is very Southern, and I think the movie wants to... Uh, to to label them as hard as they can. I guess. They tried so hard and never went through with anything in this movie. Yeah, really. <laughs> but the the hard part about talking about this as, you know, the soundtrack as we go through the film, there is a solid like 40 minute chunk of this movie where there's no music at all. Yes. Where it's just Todd kind of dealing with college and the fact that like his roommate used to be his cousin's best friend from their first film and also the the fat guy from the first film is also here. Um, I forget the actor's name. It off is top of my head. Uh, it is Mark Horton. Mark Horton, and he hails it's, from my hometown of Oklahoma City. Right. Yeah. It's it's uh it's Francis from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yes. Which which brings me to probably my biggest point about this film is that it really is cobbled together from half forgotten sort of fever dream snatches of other better movies it's not tim burton but it has mark holton and danny elfman they couldn't get the kid from family ties so they got the one from silver spoons it should also be noted that this film was produced by ken bateman jason bateman's father Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. jason bateman basically supported he and his sister justine were just supporting their family they're like lousy mooch your parents so what you're saying is that like he lived Arrested Development before he made the show. He kind of did. and that, That's sad. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, they're trying to capitalize on college movies like Revenge of the Nerds and Back to School, which, again, features Oingo Boingo. They're uh-huh. trying to capitalize on boxing a decade after Rocky and seven years after Raging Bull, five years after Rocky Three. It's like, yeah. guys, it's all over. That's all past. I mean, I think, yeah, this was the year of uh, Rocky Four, even. Yikes. The year up or the year after. But still, like, this, you're, you're writing coattails that, that no one is following anymore. <laughs> 
Yeah, they've already taken those coats to the, the, to the thrift store. Exactly. And so it's just, it's so odd. And it, it goes out of its way throughout this to remind you that everybody knows his cousin Scott was a werewolf. That's why they took, got him on this boxing team. Because his right. cousin and was a werewolf. And even, what's his stupid friend's name? Styles. Styles. So even Styles, you see him, he's got one of the Teen Wolf shirts that they sold as merch in the first movie. Right. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to help you become a werewolf. And Jason Bateman's like, I don't want to be a werewolf. Because he looks, he alternately looks like 45 and 12 in this movie. He never has a consistent face. No. But okay, so the premise of this film, because the whole reason they made it with Jason Bateman is, is as far as I know, you know, Michael J. Fox became Marty McFly. And I'm not doing another Team Wolf. Fuck you. So they rewrote it to be about his cousin. But the premise now is the high school basketball coach from the first film now works at this university. The dean wants him to bring in a star athlete for the school's boxing team. And he recommends Todd, knowing that Todd's cousin was a werewolf. That is like the, the flimsiest, like, okay, whatever premise I've ever heard. Yes. And they just run with it. Yeah. And I guess they're also kind of coasting on like, well, uh, Jason Bateman's sister was in Family Ties with Michael J. Fox. So that's like sort of it's basically the same thing. And eh, no one will notice. It's yeah, it's a Bateman. It's it's a Bateman. It's a Fox. It's neither one of those things. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I mean, all I could think of when they're talking about, you know, getting him in and how he's never boxed before. Or the closest he's ever gotten to a field was playing the clarinet was like, did Aunt Becky write his admissions essay? Did she pay off this college to let him in? Apparently. <laughs> and the coach always seems drunk. Is that just me? No, the coach is absolutely useless. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he's like, and there's this one kid who want to become a chiropractor. He had two thumbs. <laughs> She's like, why is he telling you? Is he okay? It's like, like is during he having the, a stroke? Yeah. Like during the first boxing match, like he's off to the sidelines, like playing with a Rubik's Cube. He's like not paying attention. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the actor even wanted to be in the movie. No, who would? This is a terrible movie. And I watched it on uh, Amazon Prime. Me too. And it sounded terrible. The it sound did. quality was bad. It It's a very lifeless uh, cinematography. It's just, it's flat. It's really, really unimpressive. It looks like the PBS afternoon movie. It looks like one of those fake movies that you see in a real movie that make to make fun of a, a crappy fake movie. Yes, you know? this would be on Arrested Development as a fake movie that maybe is producing. Exactly. Exactly. This is a very bad movie. That said, if they ever wanted to make Teen Wolf 2, 2, Michael Sarah would be a shoo-in. Oh, yeah. I mean, even today. Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, that kid really is a werewolf. He probably is. The real tragedy, and I'll remind you, mind you, I've watched this movie twice in a month, which is more that than is any living human, human ever has. And the one thing that jumped out at me on the on second watch is that the character of Chubby is a tr- is a really tragic figure. Really? Because, because you think, like, in the first movie, like, he's on the basketball team, and then Michael J. Fox shows up as a werewolf and starts stealing, like, all the glory and all the chicks and everything. And, like, oh, man, that's a bummer. But then he goes to college. And thinks, I'm going to be a fencer and or a boxer. Who knows? Then Michael J. Fox's fucking little cousin shows up. And that dumbass kid's a werewolf, too. And, oh, no, it's happening again. Hmm. 
is that what happens in the Teen Wolf uh, series on MTV? Is it all about Chubby? I don't know. It's yeah. like his revenge drama. I I don't watch MTV, and I'm not a teenager, so. <laughs> Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf the series, and Scream the series are in fact the same series. Hmm. Okay. We don't know. We don't. We honestly don't know. If you know, uh, write in ocpartypod at gmail.com. Let us know. Yeah. Perhaps they are. It should also be noted that there was an animated series that ran between uh, the first movie and the second. It starred Scott, and that's all. It did not Why? have Michael J. Fox in it. It ran for two seasons. Why am I not surprised? Because everything was an animated series. It they ran probably, for one... when they made Dumb and Dumber, they probably thought, well, Teen Wolf got an animated series. Why can't we have one? <laughs> I was just about to say, it got one more season than the Dumb and Dumber cartoon. <laughs> but not as many seasons as the Mask cartoon. I know. That's weird. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it takes half the movie for Scott to become the werewolf, become a boxing hero, and everyone to love him at the school. Well, because first they have to make fun of him because he turns into a werewolf after he grabs Hot Lisa's butt. Yep, and, and everyone is like, calls him a dog, makes fun of him. Tries to give uh, him fleas. I don't know where they got fleas. That seems like a them problem. Who knows? Yeah, he's but still the, he's a terrible person though. Before the, before becoming a werewolf, like he's a he's really gross. He's horrible, and he's always sweaty. Yeah, it's like he it's it's like nervous flop sweat, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like it's Jason Bateman's first movie. He just doesn't want to fuck it up. He's so bad at it. He's really bad at it. Every one of his lines is flat and listless, and I can't believe I ever had a crush on this guy. I mean, he he never wasn't Michael Bluth. Like, like yeah. he was born Michael Bluth. Yeah, in his first scene, he's wearing a tie. Like, he really yep. is. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, he, he becomes the wolf during a boxing match, kicks a guy's ass, and all of a sudden, he's the coolest guy in school. And we and, get to the worst thing that has ever happened on cinema. Yes, the after party for the boxing match, uh, they immediately throw it to, like, a frat party where uh, Todd makes his entrance as the wolf and performs the song do you love me by the contours but it but this version is by ragtime yes let's go to a clip I hate this more than anything in the world, except I couldn't stop watching it because it's all like choreographed and there's all the, the girls dancing in their like 80s versions of 1950s clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and his lip syncing is constantly off. It's terrible. Yeah, He's not lip syncing for his life. What movie do you think of when you think of this song? Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing came out three months before Teen Wolf 2. Yes, it did. And I have to wonder if... They knew that and just shoved this in the movie at the last minute, or if or if Dirty Dancing came out and everybody at Team Wolf Two was just super bummed at having their lunch eaten. <laughs> I'm gonna pretend it's the second, uh, Me just too. in order to account for uh, for production time. So, because mm-hmm. I mean that was a that was a big scene that they had to produce, so that could right. have been done quickly. Um, yeah, that was <laughs> that must have hurt, but. Um, yeah, this cover is credited to Ragtime. We don't know what that is. There is no listing for it on IMDb. Um, is Jason Bateman fronting it? Nobody knows. 
Um, but this is, of course, a cover of the Contours' 1962 hit, which was penned by Barry Gordy. And he'd actually ori- uh, originally written it for The Temptations, and he went looking huh. for them without knowing that they had bounced from the Motown label. Ooh. Yikes. I bet he never imagined that it would be lip-synced by a stupid, stupid, stupid werewolf. <laughs> by Michael J. Fox's kid cousin? Yeah. In a crappy movie? No. Who, no. who could who could possibly know that? The thing that I love about this scene, and by love I mean hate, is that he's obviously wearing uh, the Joker's costume from the Tim Burton Batman movie in this scene. Like this, the, the purple suit with the ridiculous looking tie. Oh my god! It's the same suit. It's yeah, literally the, the same Joker suit. The <laughs> Joker must have seen that and been like, "I want people to know that I'm truly evil, so I will wear the same suit that Jason Bateman <laughs> wore in 1987's Teen Wolf 2." He saw Teen Wolf 2 and just said, wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> so, yeah, and this version is like a new wave version. It's slightly, slightly 80s tinged. And it is as soulless and empty, as mechanical as the movie it is featured in. It yeah, is. Yeah, it's just that, that 80s crap, like 50s nostalgia that was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, none, of, none of it was good. Yeah, and especially again the weird fiftiesness. It was written in 1962. Like there's nothing fifties right. about it, but okay. the the film decides to try to make it in the fifties with yeah, the petticoats and the capri pants and right because they're dumb. They didn't know. Yes, um, and the way they're attempting to replicate that echo of like old old timey Motown equipment. Uh, you end up losing the vocals in the mix and just dialing the drum machine up to 11. Yep. And Which, at, yeah. If it, yeah. If it really was Jason Bateman, like, that's, sure, that's fine. Yeah, okay absolutely lose him. Just bury him in the backyard. Uh, oh. At three minutes and 40 seconds, it is nearly a minute longer than the original, and you feel every goddamn second of it. That is roughly three and a half percent of the entire film. Is taken up by this stupid song. <laughs> stupid, stupid song and dance sequence. And when you think about other movies that wanted to do this, okay, let's let's go to Pee Wee's Big Adventure. The tequila sequence is funny and wonderful and iconic. It's Dead Man's Party in Back to School, spectacular. This, no, falls completely flat. I mean, I mean, even Dirty Dancing, the 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 song and the scene in Dirty Dancing where they dance dirty to this song classic mm-hmm. like the point of the whole movie and then you just have this stupid werewolf and the problem is that now this is what i'm gonna think of every single time for the rest of your life yes because the space in my dirty dancing brain is taken up by i've had the time of my life mm-hmm. so but uh to finish this one out to answer your question jason bateman slash ragtime no i do not I do not love you. I don't care if you can dance. You don't dance. You box. It's not about a werewolf who joins the school's dance team. It's about a werewolf who joins the school's boxing club. What do they say on the internet? You don't, in fact, gotta hand it to him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. But yeah, like the very next day after this this boxing match, Styles is right there with the Teen Wolf 2 merch. Like he had Teen Wolf merch, but he now he's got Teen Wolf 2 shirts ready to go. Oh my god, I hate Styles. I hate everybody. Um as if Todd couldn't get any worse. 
he shows up in the next scene wearing a tiny fedora. Like, as if you didn't need to think this guy was a bigger douche. Like, I'm surprised he didn't walk in also holding a saxophone. (laughs) Like, what are the other cool guy signifiers we can throw at this guy? Let's put them all on there. Why not? Oh, Christ. Uh, Checkered vans. Uh, I mean, he's... Listen, what, what we're eventually building to here is that this guy is like ska personified. Yeah, he invented Boost. <laughs> he did. He's the Boost Master General. <laughs> Which is a perfect lead-in for the next two songs on the soundtrack. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Boost Master General. Uh, that's it. I'm changing my Twitter bio. <sighs> it's a joke for three people. I'm sorry. <sighs> okay. Okay, sorry. Okay. No, we're fine. We're good. We're, we're, everything's good. <laughs> but no, that's as, that's as good a, a transition as any to get into our next two uh, uh, songs. Or like The next part of the film is just like two montages stacked on top of each other, and they're both scored by Oingo Boingo. Yes. The first one, our training montage, uh, is Who Do You Want Me To Be? Let's go to a clip. I think I'll be a teddy boy. I think I'll be a hunk. I think I'll be a tough guy, and I think I'll be a punk. I might just be a fashion star, all dressed in bloody rags. Or perhaps I'll cross the other side and walk around and say, Who do you want to be today? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be today? Do you want to be just like This song sounds like it wants to fight me. It does. Um, this is from their third album, Good For Your Soul, which is still when they were in their sort of thrash and sneer phase before they mellowed out at uh, Dead Man's Party. Right. So, yeah, they, they lighten up a little later. Um, this was also in 1984's Bachelor Party. Again, reminding you that there are better movies. Of course. <laughs> yeah. This one, this era of Oingo Boingo isn't my favorite. It has some good stuff. Uh, Nothing to Fear is great, but this album in particular doesn't have a whole lot that I like. Um, This is probably the highlight of Good for Your Soul. It's it's a little meh. And also maybe the highlight of the soundtrack. Yeah. There's one or two others that I think are good, but this is... I don't know. This is where it kind of peaks for me, at least. Okay. That's fair. Um... I think I just enjoyed the manic energy of it a little yeah. bit more than like a lot of other like songs like this that I've heard from either Oingo Boingo or just like other like ska light songs, you know? Mm-hmm. I just yeah. like that aggressive sound. Yeah, it's uh it's got yeah, a little bit of of the thrash that was happening on the scene uh at the time with bands like Husker Du. Um it's got the slightest hints of hardcore, like just a little pinch of it, but still with that big brassy Oingo Boingo sound. Right. Yeah. Um, they hadn't quite sold out yet. And as you pointed out to me before the show, uh, this song also, you know, you said also appears in uh, Bachelor Party. It also appears on the soundtrack to Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. Yes. That is, however, the Boingo Alive version, not this one. Ah, okay. Yes. Also, for anyone listening, that was the last good Tony Hawk game. I'll go ahead and say it. If we ever walk past Tony Hawk in an airport and don't recognize him, you can tell him that. I'll, I'll say, hey, random person who looks like Tony Hawk, you know what I think? <laughs> <laughs> and, and before anybody out there tries to correct me, yes, the new one that just came out last year is great, but it's a remake of the first game, so just don't even at me. Just back off. 
Back off. <laughs> yes, but then it jumps immediately into uh, Oingo Boingo's outrageous while he dicks around in a Ferrari and uh, harasses cyclists for no goddamn reason. Yep. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go to a clip of outrageous. I was just going to say, like, this is also, like, the scene where Chubby realizes, like, oh, God, it's happening again. Because, like, they're tooling around in the Ferrari, and then he kicks Chubby to the curb and picks up the hot chicks, and then they go tooling off in the Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Poor Chubby. I know. Alas. That's probably, he's probably so mad, that's why he stole Pee-wee's bicycle. I know, right? Actually, I think that movie came out before. It did, but it's not for sale, Francis. <laughs> So, yeah, now this one uh, comes from their sixth album, Boingo, mm-hmm. not to be confused with Boingo, which is a later right. album. And this, by this point, they jumped to uh, MCA Records. Um, this album, once again, like Dead Man's Party, really uh, continued their track record as bona fide soundtrack gurus mm-hmm. because... Uh, in addition to this song uh, being so brightly featured on the Teen Wolf 2 soundtrack, <laughs> uh, Home Again appears in the film's Wisdom and Home Alone 3. So I'll leave you to decide, you know. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Um, Not My Slave was in Something Wild. We Close Our Eyes was on the finale of the TV show Psych. Oh, okay. um, and this one is right on the heels of Danny Elfman's solo record, So Low, which gave us gratitude from Beverly Hills Cop. Nice. Yeah. So by this time, like, Danny Elfman was starting to be seen, really, as someone you could get on a soundtrack, whether he was composing, as he did for Pee-wee's Big Adventure, or uh, with Oingo Boingo just having songs everywhere. Um, Like we talked about on Discord and Rhyme, I won't reiterate it all here, so much music from Dead Man's Party ended up in TV shows, uh, in movies, and is still being used. Yeah, like this is the period where they were they became known as like the 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 music for stupid teen comedies guys. Kind of, which is a little crazy because they're really quite intelligent and quite good. Don't let their party atmosphere fool you. But no, again, like that's a great way to get paid. Yeah. Now the downside is with this song. This is kind of album filler. Like when you look at Boingo, there are so many other great songs on that album. And this one isn't really one of them. It's, I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong. Oingo Boingo is, is a really fun band. But lyrically, this one is just kind of a watered down version of Nothing Bad Ever Happens to Me from Good for Your Soul. Can I say something that's going to really make you mad, though? Sure. I firmly believe that randy newman stole like the lyric structure for this song and used it in the song strange things from toy story i would not doubt that for a second seems like something randy newman would do there you have it (laughs) 
I, tr- I always try to come up with like one song opinion that I think is going to make Libby mad. And I, I whiffed this week for everybody. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm mad on behalf of Oingo Boingo having the music stolen by Randy fucking Newman. Okay. Well, she's not mad at me for I'm pointing not, no. it out. So that's fair. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for making me aware of this so I can continue my hatred of Randy Newman. Anytime. I don't care if he wrote, you can leave your hat on. I don't care. I hate that guy. He's a monster. I mean, he also wrote Friends from the Other Side, so. Yeah. We're actually quite fond of Randy Newman on this podcast, oddly enough, just not when he sings his stupid little Randy Newman songs. He's kind of half and half on this show. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, that's outrageous, everybody. Yeah, it's. It's fine. It's pretty good. Um, as I said, if you do like this song, though, absolutely pick up Boingo. And I think uh, both of them just got vinyl reissues. Ooh, Nice. So they're starting to really reissue a lot of their their catalog. But as you said, this is our, our Halloween connection going back to uh, Forbidden Zone, which is our first Halloween episode. Yeah, that's right. And our garbage movie uh, with sort of horrible, furry-faced mischief makers running around uh, that we get from Hobgoblins, which comes out the next year. Ooh, wow. I'd have to say Hobgoblins is the better film. Yeah, and, and I, I hate saying that, but yeah, you're kind of right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's a good movie. Okay. <laughs> this film could have used some fontanelles. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to argue that. Yes. Um, speaking of uh, Chubby and Styles and how Jason Bateman. Sorry. I keep calling him Jason Bateman. It's <laughs> it's, it's Jason Bateman. Yeah, like, just, let's not fight it. Dumb face. Uh, and Todd, Todd being a jerk um, after he picks up the sexy ladies and... Uh, takes them back to his dorm room, and we see Styles trying to come in, but there's a do not disturb sign, if you know what I mean. There's a sock on the doorknob. Yeah. We hear briefly uh, Party Lights by BG Vox featuring Butch Stewart. Let's go to a clip. disappointed that there is no additional credits for this artist this was the only thing they did um i can't find anything about them because i really like this one yeah this is a pretty good one it's it's pretty smooth yeah it's got that like slick r&b soul groove that uh was popular at the time mm-hmm. if you told me this was billy ocean i'd believe you <laughs> i mean it's slick it's well produced the vocals are great and there's a whole narrative because the idea is that, you know, his lady doesn't show. So he goes mm-hmm. out on the town and brings a lady back to his house and, oh, she said she was going to show up at 10. Oops. Oops. And it's, it's really funny. It's funnier than this stupid movie. Oh, yeah. But it's also like exactly the scene in the movie, kind of. So. He's got two ladies there. He's two, two chicks at the same time. <laughs> so this, this. One kind of stole my heart. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I'm looking up, because uh, it says it's BG Vox featuring Butch Stewart. I'm looking up Butch Stewart. This is also kind of the only thing he's done. Yeah. So it's who, weird. Who were these guys? What became of them? BG Vox, if you're listening, we love your song. 
come on the podcast and, and, and tell us about it, please. Yes, we love you. If we if we do anything with this episode, it's we want to get people to listen to Party Lights by v- BG Vox featuring Butch Stewart. I'm there. Do that for us. Folks, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. You can trust us on that. Go listen to it. It's yes. genuinely great. <laughs> this gets our... Um, this song is in the Bricklin Hall of Fame. Yes. For one-off uh, soundtrack artists. Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, Bricklin. I hope wherever so, they are, they're happy. God bless you, BG Vox. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, and so this is the part of the movie where, of course, you know, Todd as the werewolf is... It's becoming Mr. Popular, getting a little too big for his britches, and people start to hate him for it. Styles hates him. Chubby hates him. And all the cool kids love him because he's a werewolf. Nikki hates him. Not your girlfriend, the girl in the film. Although I'd like to think I, that when she was watching this, she's like, I hate that guy. Yeah. Oh, I watched this with, with uh, my Nikki, and she lasted about half an hour. <laughs> she bounced. Yep. <laughs> she bounced like the Temptations from Motown. She was Oh, at. <laughs> snap. That's called a callback. That's a good one. <laughs> But then, uh, so yeah, Todd takes the ladies, Lisa and her friend, who I'm sorry, I, I I genuinely did not catch her name. I assume it's Becky. I'm just gonna assume her name is Becky. Oh my god. Okay. But he takes them to 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 mini golf, and I assume I just naturally assume it's golf and stuff from Karate Kid. <laughs> <laughs> but now that I know it's in New York, that can't be no, possible. No, it's it's not golf and stuff. Although That's I am excited. Shame. Speaking of Karate Kid, uh, Cobra Kai back in December. Really? Season, season three. Maybe this is the season I'll get into because Terry Silva's coming back. <laughs> I don't know what that means because I didn't see the third movie. I am flying blind on Cobra oh, Kai. You're gonna love him. <laughs> so yeah, in the in the mini golf scene, Lisa's boyfriend Gus shows up to take just, her back. I just had him as anonymous bully number one. I had to go look his name up. I didn't bother. And, I didn't care. <laughs> well, he's he's the big bad. I figured I should at least get his name right. But uh, the actor, uh, Robert Neary, is mostly a TV actor now. You know the last film he appeared in? What? The last feature film, a little in- indie production called Independence Day Resurgence. Oh. <sighs> I have to lie down. I'm now so sad <laughs> that I have to lie down under my desk. This guy's this guy's thing must be like shitty sequels. Like that's how he gets his living. His living is his agent calls him up and says, "I have a movie that's gonna really upset Libby Cudmore of Oneonta, New York." Is it a part two? Yes. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is like this is the point where the cool kids start to turn on Todd, and we get the next song on our soundtrack. It's "One Step Forward" by the Desert Rose Band. Let's go to a clip. One step forward and two steps back. Nobody gets too far like that. One step forward and two steps back. This kind of dance can never last. Not to be confused with this song Desert Rose from Sting's album Brand New Day. Of course, of course. Yes. Um, these guys were also on the Curb record label. They're our second band. Wow. From there. And they've got a much warmer country sound than the Beat Farmers, who seem to almost be making fun of the genre. Almost be jumping into that, uh, what we'll see as alt-country later on with bands like Cracker. Yeah, this feels a little bit more legit, mm-hmm. legitimate, as far as like the country sound goes. Yes. Um, although... 
again, having been a teenager in the 90s, the line about one step forward, two steps back makes that sounds like line dancing instructions. And it made me nervous. But yeah, you're yeah, you're right. Like that's I mean, you grew up in the South. I grew up in a dirt town in upstate New York. So we're very familiar with line dancing. Yeah, yeah we did line dancing in PE in school. Yeah. yeah. And it's bad. I know all about it. This one also appears on the Cairo station uh, in Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas. Uh, really? Yes. Oh, God. You know what other song appears in that game? What's up? On the uh, Kea West station, we get uh, Pressure Drop from Gross Point really? Blank. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> See, they're getting ready to re-release like that trilogy of Grand Theft Auto games. I wonder if the songs are still in there. I hope so. It doesn't appear on the soundtrack, but it does appear in-game. Right. You, I can't imagine these songs are hard to license. <laughs> you know, it's not like it's not like uh, uh, Desert Rose Band or, or, you know, charging the big bucks for songs like this, you know? Yeah, but it's, you know, we talked last week about uh, Gross Point Blank being connected with The Crow. Right. I wouldn't have guessed it would have been connected with Teen Wolf 2. Well, there's another connection to Gross Point Blank we haven't mentioned yet, and that's the composer, Mark Goldenberg. Really? Who, he composed the score for this film, all the electronic beeps and boops and whatever. Mm-hmm. But he also co-wrote the Eels song, Your Lucky Day in Hell, which appears in Gross Point Blank, but it's not on the soundtrack. No way. Yes way. <laughs> okay, so uh, Teen Wolf 2 is in the same universe as Gross Point Blank. And by extension, the crow. There we go. Yeah, I mean that's how these things work, right? Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, no one likes the wolf. The chick he likes, we've barely talked about. That's Nikki. She doesn't like him. Um, and he goes to talk to his uncle Harold, who has, you know, sage advice and a pair of boxing gloves. And he he's going to teach him how to box without being a werewolf. Yeah. Which feels like something he should have learned like a little while ago, but I don't know. Like, I don't know, from his boxing coach? Yeah. Who's probably like trying to score some black tar heroin down at the <laughs> biker bar. I mean, if he can't teach the other guys how to box like a regular person, what hope does Todd have, really? Yeah, exactly. None. And he, yeah, he talks to Nikki and he apologizes. And she says, like, you shouldn't talk that way to somebody you like. He's like, I shouldn't talk that way to somebody I love. And you're just like, ugh, gag me with a spoon. (laughs) I don't know why. It just makes me nauseous just thinking about it. It's a stupid face. Um, But it turns out he missed his final. So he goes and begs his teacher, and she lets him take the final again. But, of course, we have to have a study slash makeout montage. And we get our next song which is Real Life's Send Me an Angel. The video for this is hysterical. It's sort of Ren Fair themed. We'll put it in the show notes. It's kind of mm. adorable. Yeah, it's wild. Oh, this is a, this is the song that I kind of liked. Really? Up there with um, Who Do You Want Me To Be by Ongo Bongo. This is kind of my second favorite on the soundtrack. Okay. It's it's kind of it's kind of dark, kind of moody. Like it wouldn't be out of place on like the Lost Boys soundtrack. Ooh, yes. 
I could see that. I, I kind of dig it. It's got yeah. kind of a gothy new wave kind of vibe. I dig it. And this one should land for me because I love this sort of, again, like that gossamer, uh, romantic, slightly dark synth pop. It's not like quite into like Bajas or Joy Division, but it's got a little bit of that tinge. Right. This one didn't land. It's a little kind of too generic, and the hook was just a little too soft. Like, I liked it when I listened to it, but I forgot about it almost instantly. Mm. But Well, it, and the, the movie doesn't do really do it any favors either. It's in, like, just the most, like, generic, boring kind of study makeout montage. Yeah. It just kind of comes and goes, and you're like, uh, you're, I'm done with this. However, these guys are still active. They had a new album in 2020 called Sirens oh, wow. and had previously toured on the Lost 80s live tour with our friends from Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, The Vapors. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. So you could go see them perform this live. This was their biggest hit. Good for them. Yes. They also had a song in Grand Theft Auto V. I should know that. Wow. <laughs> as, much as, as many hours as I've put into Grand Theft Auto V, I, don't, I did not know that. Yep. It wasn't this one, but it was it was another song of theirs. Cool. So for some reason, the overlap of Grand Theft Auto and Teen Wolf 2, it's a fertile ground. Yeah, it's shocking, <laughs> if, if I'm being perfectly honest. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought that the Curb Records release for Teen Wolf 2 would have proven to be what made Grand Theft Auto so wonderful? I guess. I don't know. I never played beats, it. Yeah, beats me. Like, who would have thunk? Yeah. So. I mean, I, especially like those those games and those albums, they dig really deep for some like obnoxious crap to listen to while you're driving your car. Most people just turn that stuff off anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every once in a while, you'll, you'll actually hear a song. It's like, oh, wow. It's kind of neat. And hey, there's real life. There it is. So the, fi- the finale. Yes. <laughs> The finale, thank God, is a good 10 to 15 minute stretch where Jason Bateman gets his shit wrecked. Yes. And I, for one, could watch that all day. And I felt like I did. A couple quick things. He decides he's not going to be a werewolf and he rallies the team and they sing their stupid uh, team school song. And where they all kind of forget the words. (laughs) Yeah. And also his teacher's a werewolf, too. His his biology teacher. Is what I know who saw that coming. Really, you could see that coming a mile away as soon as you meet this teacher. Yeah. But also throughout the whole film, every scene those two had together, I keep thinking like Todd's making better goo goo eyes at his teacher than he is at Nikki. Yeah. And I kept waiting for that turn to happen and it never did. Ew. (laughs) They're both werewolves. What? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. No, he just gets pounded on forever. Oh, yeah. It's kind of great. And everyone's booing him. And it's like, I'd boo him, too. Yeah, why not? If you could have Michael J. Fox and instead you got Jason Bateman, you'd boo as well. Exactly. So, and he uses his werewolf powers to get up, but then fights on his own merit. And then Chubby non consensually kisses a girl. I think it's Becky. She's repulsed because he's fat. That's his only characteristic, is that he's fat. And his only recourse is to grab popcorn off of the, the, the boxing floor and just eat it. Yeah. Like, you, you, ugh. I know, you it's pretty bad. Dig. But that's the end of the movie. Like, he wins the day, and everything's great, and thank God we can leave. But not before we hear the last song play over the end credits. And is it the last song we haven't discussed yet? No, it's not. It's (laughs) Do You Love Me. Let's do that one more time. (laughs) No, 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 we're actually not going to go through all that again. 
No. <laughs> um, but there is one other song on this soundtrack that we didn't talk about, and we couldn't find it in the movie. And I don't so, think either of us sat through the credits long enough to see if it was hanging around in there. No, I did. And like the end credits, Do You Love Me plays through the whole thing. Oh, Christ. I know. It's awful. I'm really sorry, but you deserved that. This was yeah. your pick. I know. <laughs> um, but no, but there's a, a song by an artist named Ed Kepper uh, called Not a Soul Around. Let's go to a clip of that. I know you thought I was that brother that you saw. But we don't look the same. How many times did you call when it was late? And use another name. I remember when you made the one who went to the prison you were born. This was a solid track. Yeah, this one's good, too. Yeah, it's got uh, sort of a psychedelic furs melody line, but with some big horns. And on the soundtrack, it's sandwiched between the two Oingo Boingo songs where it could get a little lost. Yeah, like either one of those two montages you see could have been this song. Mm -hmm. But they didn't do that. Yeah, but it's really good. And Kepper is a bona fide musician. He, with his first band, the Saints, they were the first band, first punk band, rather, to release a record outside of the USA. Their wow. single, I'm Stranded, came out in 1976. They beat The Clash and The Sex Pistols. So they were deeply, deeply influential on the scene. Um, they disbanded in 1979 after three albums, and he went on to form the avant-garde band, The Laughing Clowns, and the grunge band, uh, The Aints. And still tours. Um, this one was, I think, the most sort of radio-friendly version of himself, mm -hmm. which I'm surprised it didn't get more play. Because when you've got bands like Ragtime and BG Vox, who are non-existent, and then you've got this guy, why wouldn't you play that a little more prominently? Yeah, really. So, I mean, he has toured with Nick Cave. He's... I mean, not, come on. Not a slacker. No. And so I, I'm sort of wondering why we didn't get more of that. I'm glad it's on the soundtrack because it's really good, but not and, really And speaking sure. of clowns, the music video is pretty great, too, because yeah. it's kind of just, just a black and white video of, of him kind of just hanging out at a circus. Yeah. So, yeah. which is, has, you know, kind of Oingo Boingo in itself. Oh, Yeah. So yeah, that's the soundtrack to Teen Wolf 2, everybody. I'm sure all of you were just waiting with bated breath for us to discuss this. Bateman breath. You know, I put that out there thinking you might pick it up. I did. And, and you did, and I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> I've known you a long time. Thank you. We know how this works. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what we found was, yeah, sure, this is a terrible movie, and no one should watch it, let alone twice. <laughs> But the soundtrack is a surprisingly, you know, surprisingly good sort of 80s new wave kind of mix of, of songs. With the exception of uh, Do You Love Me. Luckily, well, it's at the top of the soundtrack, so you can just skip right over it. Skip it right away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Walk right away. I, I guess, you know, they went through the trouble of, of putting it in the film. They just kind of had to use it on the soundtrack. I guess. But it, none of these were releases, singles from the movie. Right, and so the, the two songs that got music videos, I guess, were singles on their own anyway. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But there was not an official Teen Wolf 2 music video. And I guess, thank God for small favors. Yeah, not even for PG Box Party Lights. Yeah, it's a, it's surprising. Yeah. You, you've, got some, you've got some solid talent here, and you just let it hang. Yeah. Shame on you. Shame on you, Kent Bateman. We'll put up a poll after this episode comes out, and we'll let you decide what is the best song for the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And... I will go ahead and encourage you, listen to the album. Don't watch this movie. No. This, is, this is awful, and I'm sorry I had I made Libby watch it. So this we're doing we, this for you. Yeah, we survived this film so that you don't have to. Exactly. But uh, that's the OST party for this week. Libby, what yes, are we doing indeed. next time? Next time, we'll be joined by special guest Ian Smith to talk about uh, heavy metal. Oh, yeah. Yep. I can't wait. It's going to be wild. So we'll also be joined in that for a history lesson on the heavy metal comics by my husband, Ian Austin. That's going to be fun. I, that's, I'm looking forward to this one. Two Ians and some heavy metal. Two Ians for the price of one. <laughs> uh, but until next time, Libby, where can our listeners find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Libby Cudmore. You can find me on Instagram over at record underscore Saturday. And you can listen to our final episode of the Shattered Shield podcast. Uh, we're doing our series wrap up. It's all over. Yeah, it's it's been a long ride. Yeah. So, uh, Joe, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cordial Wombat, or you can listen to me yell about Christmas movies all year round at Christmas Creeps on Twitter. We just released, as of this episode, our uh, Halloween episode on The Conjuring 2, and boy, that was a hell of a time. Oh, boy. <laughs> so go check, the, all, go check all that stuff out, and come on back for the next OST party. It's going to be a blast. Mm-hmm. So for the OST party, I'm Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. <laughs>